You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time to talk to Joanne Bainham from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. I looked for things to talk about, Joanne. I really did. I went through various websites, but it's just sort of rehashing what we've been talking about for the last two, three, uh, four weeks. But we have to get to the point now where we question after... New Zealand raised their interest rates by 0.25%, a quarter of a basis point, to um, to wherever it is. Uh, and now the Bank of England may be hinting that they might be the first of the major central banks to break ranks and up they go, which I think would be quite a bold step. I think it's a bold step, but I, I think the Bank of England will soon run out of road not to raise rates. If you look at the inflation pressures building in the UK, it's getting significantly worse. Uh, and partly that's out of their own control, you know, gas prices, oil prices, electricity prices, lack of wind, etc. Yes. But when I look at the wage inflation numbers coming out of the UK, it also looks pretty unnerving. And I think that's partly Brexit because, you know, the truck driver issue and partly, you know, less cheap labour from Europe coming in. But I also think it's people changing their lifestyles and saying, you know, I'd rather work a half day, work a full day because life is short. So there's there's lots going on at the at the level at the moment. But if you look at the amount of vacancies and the unemployment rates, uh, I think the UK has got a bit of a wage issue coming through and the states, actually. But the states lesser so. So I do think in terms of central bankers, in terms of rate rises, I think the BOE might be the first one to do it in terms of, you know, being a proper central bank. I mean, New Zealand doesn't, people don't really follow what New Zealand's doing. Well, I don't be nasty about those uh, New Zealanders, but um, yes, I know what you mean. It's a country with only 5 million people, which is about 40% of the size of, of London, uh, population-wise. So yeah, but it, it is a statement that's, that's being made. The US, of course, will not break ranks, certainly not um, with 2022 coming up as a, an election of sort of a half-election year in the US. There's no way that the Democrats, there's no way that the Biden administration will raise interest rates. It would be too politically incorrect, I think. Well, one hopes that the central bank is independent so that they'll make their decisions without that. So clearly yeah, you have right. a different view on that. No, yeah, yeah, right. But when I think what most strategists are saying is that central banks generally will be very slow to raise rates, even though they are now coming around to the view that it's not quite as transitory as they were hoping it was what they were hoping it was. I mean, I saw a lovely comment. I think it's the guy, probably not pronouncing his name right, Raphael Bostic. I think he's the Atlanta Fed chairman, a central banker, and he said, um, transitory is now a dirty word. Hmm. And if anyone uses that word, they have to put money into the jar. So, you know, clearly I think they're, they're, they're themselves are getting a bit nervous because the one number that all central banks look at is wage inflation because then it becomes inflation expectations, it becomes anchored. Things like gas prices, oil prices, yes, they're a bit scary at the moment, but, but generally speaking, higher commodity prices lead to lower commodity prices because then we get extra supply, extra capex. But, you know, when wage inflation starts coming through, people don't tend to get cuts in salaries once they've had a raise. So I think that's the point the central banks are worried about. And like I said, the UK looks very sticky to me. And the US is not far behind. If you look at the number of um, jobs wanted versus the number of people who want those jobs, that it's quite a big mismatch at the moment. So it really I think is. there's some pressure building. 
Yeah, but on the other hand, there's uh, so many job vacancies for people that need to pick strawberries or apples or pears in Kent in the Garden of England. Um, and there's so many people that need jobs in the northeast of England. So no one's going to go down from the northeast of England to the Garden of England in, in the south and pick pears. So it's, as you say, quite rightly say, it's a mismatch. But I've never seen such a mismatch. I've never seen so many job vacancies and so little of those vacancies or so few of those vacancies being filled, Joanne. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's why central banks are watching this. And I think they're pretty nervous. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to aggressively raise rates. And I'm not saying we have a 1970s style inflation coming our way. But, but the environment that we've had the last couple of years, I think, is slowly changing in front of our eyes. And I think that incredible amount of liquidity and that very low rates forever argument is not as compelling as it used to be. I think going forward, it's going to be tighter liquidity and the central banks around the world that raise rates. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually good for economies when wages go up, if it's not runaway wage and wage increases. And that's good for social cohesion, because we can't have a society where the, you know, the rich have all the money and the middle class and the poor have nothing. So we do need a society where it starts evening out. Capital's had far too good a run for too long. It's time the money started moving into other areas. But I think what that also means for fund managers, they have to start looking at different sectors of the market. You can't just rely on sort of the tech sector to make you all the money going forward. You have to start looking at different areas. And, and we talk about this a lot, you and I, the whole value versus growth argument. I think if growth is picking up globally, I mean, I know stagflation is one of the views out there, but I don't buy into it. I think if we start seeing a, a stronger growth environment that allows people to have higher wages, that's not necessarily bad news for markets. It's when we get runaway inflation that's bad, and I don't think we're there. No, we're definitely not there. Um, anyone that uh, says that there's going to be stagflation, I mean, um, over the years, over the last 20 years or so, I've, I've heard stagflation come up maybe, maybe three times. I don't think central banks will ever let stagflation take hold. But let's talk about, uh, what was that chap that you just said? He was one of the Fed, uh, the Fed people in the United States, Bostick. I think his name's Raphael Bostic, but don't quote me on that. I read that very quickly, but yeah, quite a statement. Transity is a dirty word. Yeah, you know, and you talked about sticky earlier on, and I just suddenly remembered where I know the word Bostic, because when I was a child, <laughs> you used to, used to stick things with Bostic. Do you remember Bostic? <laughs> That's very quick. Well yeah. done. <laughs> Bostic is a French manufacturer of adhesive and selling products based in Cologne, France. The company develops, manufactures, and distributes speciality adhesives and sealants for construction, industrial, and consumer markets. I can distinctly remember always having a tube of Bostic in my little, um, in my little bag to go to school uh, every morning and you'd have to you know paste things and um, I don't know whatever you did when you were a child I can't remember anything. but it was called Bostic yeah you're spot on Lindsay yeah I think ours was called Prit maybe it was the same thing um, but yes I, I, a great analogy okay, but I great. think generally speaking if we look at the markets though back to market stuff yes you know markets have fallen they've kind of come back a bit and they're falling I don't think we should be rushing back into markets Right, yes. I think you can pause for a little bit. I think longer out, stock market is still where you want to have your money. You still want to have your money in equities. But I just think we need to sort of watch, watch the news flow quite carefully at the moment. We're getting some CPI numbers out of the States tonight. And I think that if that's bad, these markets could be under a bit of pressure. Because, you know, that almost the overwhelming view up to so probably three weeks ago was, don't worry, inflation is transitory. It doesn't matter what central banks won't raise rates. And I think slowly but surely that, that story is changing. And the People who think inflation is transitory is very much the minority camp now. 
Yes. The one thing, that I've, you know, as a market watcher, as you are every single day, apart from being a long-term investor uh, for sterling private wealth, you uh, also look at the markets on a daily basis. And one thing I've noticed is that um, for the first time for quite a while, there hasn't been the big ups and the big downs. It's slowly, slowly going down. Uh, for example, the S&P down another quarter of a percent today. Uh, it, it's nothing dramatic. It's nothing to worry about. Uh, but people are, are gently, I think, just removing a bit of, um, of cash from the market. And that's probably, after what you've just said, is what you're doing as well. Look, I mean, to be fair, we've been out of the market. Well, not out of the market. We've had a lot of cash in our client portfolios for a long time now because valuations have not been very good to us. We don't think that it's compelling reasons to be in the markets. So on long-term view, as you point out, no worries. But in the short term, I think a bit of powder dry is not a bad thing to have in portfolios. We're also, we've also been very bullish uh, value stocks because we think with the reopening and with the global economy slowly improving and uh, you know growth portaling down to everyone – we think that's going to be a good environment for your more cyclical type counters, your value type counters, banks, especially in a rising interest rate environment. So, you know, we've been positioned there for a while. The other area that we are looking at, we haven't quite gone into it in a big way yet, is um, Chinese equities. I think trying to time that's going to be incredibly difficult. But if you think in the long run, I think Chinese equities, you can't ignore China. Uh, so I think it was the Bank of America came out this week with a report saying, from a long-term view, you've almost got to see the world as U.S., China, emerging markets, Europe and the UK, you can't even put China into emerging markets anymore. It has its own bucket because that's how powerful it's going to be. So I think Chinese equities definitely have a place, but, you know, that's very much long term because in the short term, anything can happen. So, yeah, I mean, we, we have got cash. We're waiting for the markets to come off. The, the kind of the correction we've seen so far is far too small for us to be rushing back in yet. What about South Africa, Joanne? Oh, what about South Africa? I mean, I see the... Is it the energy thing they're now looking at, this, um, these boats, the electricity, and how that all went through, this new graft allegations on that? Uh, you know we've got load shedding again in South Africa. Mm. It's, it's te- you can tell, actually, ironically enough, you can tell when the South African economy starts picking up because we get load shedding. You know, <laughs> we've gone mm. from le- level four, whatever, to level one, whatever the terms are these days, and suddenly the traffic is everywhere, restaurants are packed, and lo and behold, we get load shedding again. You know, it's really difficult to get this economy going. It's it's quite sad, actually, because we, we need viable alternatives to ESCOM, and there isn't anything at the moment. And the government's been very slow to put renewables in place. Look, they are doing it slowly, but, but it's just been way too slow. So, yes, as, as for South Africa, I mean, I still think, you know, if you're in South Africa and you're investing here, I think commodity shares could do very well in the long run. And, and the reason for that is actually the whole ESG factor. So, again, looking at sort of uh, something I read from BlackRock recently, they were saying that, you know, you cannot get away from the change in climate, that the enormous amount of money governments are going to spend on trying to fix the climate change problems. And, you know, renewables or, I mean, sorry, commodity miners, miners mining stocks will do very well out of that trade, especially around lithium, rhodium, copper, et cetera, and platinum. So when we finally get the car market to come back and, you know, using alternative forms of energy with platinum helping be clean, I think, you know, our commodity shares could look very interesting. Yes, I got the S&P futures wrong, by the way. They're actually up 0.1%. I was looking at the spot price from last night, but the futures are up 0.1%. So I apologize for that. But what you're saying is... Uh, just sit on your hands at the moment, Joanne. Here we are, October the 13th, uh, two and a half months ago to, to, to year end. Just sit and wait. Is that what you're saying? Well, look, I mean, I'm saying to you, if the markets come off, 
go and buy them because I think in the long run you want to be in equities. In the long run, I think these you want to be in good companies and particularly companies that are leveraged to global growth that I think will pick up in the next couple of years. So I think and I think you need to be in companies which can take make money out of an inflation environment because I think inflation is a lot stickier than people think. You you can't hide in offshore bonds because. You know, a lot of them have negative yields. It's utterly ridiculous. Uh, the other thing that I think is very interesting, and unfortunately, a lot of South Africans offshore can't invest in it yet. But, you know, hedge funds offshore. You know, in the old days, you would have put an offshore portfolio together with equities and bonds, and, you know, bonds would have dampened down your risk. I think bonds today in an inflation environment are a terrible asset class for you to be invested in. And I think hedge funds will give you some or alternative assets, absolute return or whatever term you want to use. It's a far better way to construct an offshore portfolio, but we still don't have a lot of choice in that area. But that is something that I think will develop over time. Locally, it's a different story, you know, because you've still got quite a bit of yield in South Africa. You've got a lot of flexible income managers that are very good in trading the duration curve in South Africa, moving between the long and the short end, because it's a very tricky thing to do here. I think there's some really good talent in South Africa, and you've got a lot of equity still that are going to make you money. So if you're really worried about inflation, commodities are a great place to be so that you get some pricing power in those companies. So the JSE might still be okay. And as for the RAND, well, look, ultimately, I think the RAND is the price of the country. And I don't see any reforms happening in this country yet to make me really bullish about the place. I just don't. I, I Yeah, maybe I'm just being overly negative, and I probably am. No, you're, being, we... you're being realistic. You're not being negative. You're being absolutely realistic, I think. That's the best way yeah, to put just, it, because you're, 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 you're pro-South African, you always have been, but unfortunately, well, looking, realism love, love, occasionally comes to the fore when we have chats. Yeah, that's true, and I, look, a lot of us still want to live here, and we haven't sort of immigrated yet, but the reality is, I don't see government doing the right policies yet to get us into a pro-growth environment, and, and how do we grow in a country where ESCOM is clearly utterly incompetent? I mean, it's, you can't have load shedding all over again. You know, how do you, how do you make a country run properly with that environment? I mean, we've talked about education a lot, you and I. I mean, the education story is still a total, it's a basket case in this country for a lot of people. If you're rich, you're fine. If you're not rich, it's a massive problem. So, you know, that's, yeah, it's a whole new story. But yeah, I mean, South Africa, it's a great place to live, but a difficult place to invest. But remember, and this is very important for people listening, the JSC and the South African economy are not the same thing. They're certainly not. It's like Wall Street and Main Street. Joanne, thank you very much for your analysis. That's Joanne Bainham, who is from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.